You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your message while become known as an authority in your field? Industry Thought Leader Podcast will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. My guest today says winning at SEO is all about making Google fall in love with your website. It's like the digital bachelor without the roses. Now, join me on today's show is thought leader herself, Kate Toon. Kate is a writing entrepreneur as well as a popular coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. And her digital education business, The Recipe for SEO Success, as well as the Clever Copywriting School, has helped more than 8,000 small business owners grapple the Google beast and write better content. Now, on today's show, Kate is going to share Why does Google hate your website, as well as industry and insider knowledge from a trustworthy SEO source? Welcome to the show, Kate. Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. SEO is something that so many business owners struggle with, and especially we think about what we need to do, what we don't need to do, and the changes that Google often makes. But before we dive into all of that good stuff, just give everyone a bit of a background into your journey. How did you get into SEO? I worked in advertising for many years at big agencies like Ogilvy, um, and then uh, moved into having my own business as a copywriter. And I had done a lot of SEO work, um, agency sides, and I just noticed there was a real gap in the market for uh, copywriters who could write Google-friendly copy, copy that was going to help businesses rank well for their chosen keywords. And then moving on from that, just generally saw that how much small businesses were struggling with SEO. They were trying to afford expensive SEO companies and maybe not getting the results they want. And just feeling generally bamboozled by the whole thing and confused. And that's what led me towards courses and resources and Mm. podcasts to help your average human do SEO. Yes, because sometimes you think you need a degree just to even be able to start to understand. You know, sometimes when you're thinking about a specific topic, we'll often assume or presume that there's a lot more complicated stuff around it. So I'm glad that you're taking all that complication out of that and helping us to understand it in a very simple way. So when it comes to SEO, as we know, that search engine optimization when it comes to why does Google hate our website, I'm assuming that that has something to do with the fact that we're not writing great content. What are some other things? Yeah, I mean, content is really only a part of it. I think I think basically you need to understand that search engine optimization is about jumping through hoops that Google wants us to jump through uh, to ensure that the website delivers a great experience. And SEO experts, we kind of reckon there's about 200 things on on Google's checklist that it's looking for Mm. from a good website. But the truth is that most of those things we are looking for from a good website. So content you've mentioned, but other things would be that it's fast, that it loads quickly, um, that it looks really good on whatever device you're on. So Mm -hmm. it's good on an iPad, it looks good on an iPhone. It's easy to um, uh, click buttons and, and use. 
um, that it makes sense that there's a logical flow to the content. It's easy to get from page to page. Um, that you know that the images are relevant. That the the page that I've got to is the page I expect to get. We all know that disappointing experience if you type something in, you get taken to a page, and really it's not what you thought it would be. So there's a whole range of different things that Google is looking for. But as you said, people come in and think it's too technical. I'm not going to get it. And it changes all the time. Yes. And the point is there, there is some technical aspects to it, but they're relatively easy to work through. It doesn't change all the time, really. The more it changes, the more it change, mm. stays the same. So it's all about just trying to make us happy as users. So, you know, if you use your common sense, which lots of people don't, <laughs> SEO makes a lot of sense when you start to work through it. Yeah. I'm sure when you are creating a bit of content, uh, there are some must-dos have within that to make mm. it simple for us because this obviously is a podcast about industry thought leader and as we know, when we're trying to build our audience and build engagement with the content, we need to be very mindful about the content that we share, make it consistent, not too many things. We know that saying, jack of all trades, master of none. But what are some components that we need to be mindful of? We'll be thinking, okay, we're going to write a piece of content. Just some must-haves from a point of view of then we know that this article or this podcast, whatever it is, is going to be Google-friendly. Well, I mean, first you need to ensure that your website is Google-friendly yeah. because no amount of good content will save a poorly coded website. If it's taking 25 minutes for that piece of content to load, you're doomed. So you have to do your tech first. But when it comes to sitting down and writing content. I think it's all about focus, really understanding our audience and understanding the questions that they have, their preconceived beliefs, mm -hmm. their desires, their fears, so that when we write the content, we really are solving a customer problem. If you are a thought leader who works in social media, what are the common questions that people have in social media? And then rephrasing those questions back to the audience, actually using the question as the title of the article, in the URL, as mm. the header on the page, and answering it in a succinct, intelligent way, and just really trying to put yourself in the shoes of your audience, being empathetic. Yes. And if you focus like that and stick to a single kind of idea for each article, it's going to give you a lot more opportunity to rank. Because as you said, if you have a number of topics that you want to share, rather than putting them all in the one article, chop them up and have various articles so it very much focuses and perhaps even goes deeper into that particular topic. You had a good point there around, you know, obviously we talked about website. So many people I know are not good at website coding or development and they don't even have uh, an understanding of what sort of questions they need to ask to make sure that the person to whom they might be uh, hiring to develop yeah. their website, are they any good? What are some red flags? I mean, I think there's some basic things to look for. So, you know, one of the most popular and easy to use platforms is WordPress. So if you're on a WordPress site, you're, you're, you're already setting yourself up for success. In terms of speaking to a developer, I think, you know, it's as with any trade, you need to get recommendations from other previous uh, clients. Have a look at the websites they've built. See how quickly they load. See how easy they are to use on a, on a mobile phone. But generally, you know, the best place to get a recommendation for a WordPress developer is not randomly in some Facebook group or even off a previous client because to a degree you don't know what that relationship involves, what mm. affiliate things are going on. So try to find someone, a source of truth, someone that you trust, that you've built a relationship with, 
ask their opinion and ask their recommendation. Um, or find a website that you really love and that looks great and that loads quickly and just contact the person who has the website and say, who, hey, who built your website? Yes. Um, and also, you know, Google the phrases. So, you know, if, you, if, if, if the site that they built, they've built, they've claimed that they're an excellent SEO web developer and they built a site for, you know, a cheese quiche maker in Thornlee, mm -hmm. Google cheese quiche maker and Thornley. Are they ranking number one? If they're not, then maybe they, or, or two or three. If yeah. they're not, then maybe that person wasn't all they said they were. Yes, great, great tips there. I mean, I remember speaking to someone in a group, or there was a number of us business owners, and a majority of the people in the group had WordPress websites. But one person, she was using a platform I'd not heard about before. She was concerned about security, but I think you can have security issues with any platform if you don't have the right protocols in place to yeah. ensure. But would you say WordPress is, is a, a good platform to start off with if someone's starting from scratch? I mean, look, all the platforms are kind of beginning to level out. This WordPress security myth is from literally about 15 years ago when it got hacked and people still remember that. But 30% of the world's websites are on the WordPress platform, which is pretty big. Mm -hmm. But platforms like Squarespace, Shopify, they are getting better because all the platforms know that that's what we as consumers want. We want mm -hmm. to rank on Google. So they're not going to sell their platform unless they do that. But the thing that works, the thing that I like about WordPress is that WordPress is a platform that you can change and manipulate and get your fingers dug into if you want to. Platforms like Squarespace, Shopify, they're closed platforms. Mm. So you can't change and you can't change things. Yes. And sometimes when you get to the pointy end of SEO, you need to kind of have a developer who can get in and tweak things. Mm. And some of those closed platforms don't let you do that. It is a bit more of a learning curve. You know, you can build a Wix site or a Weebly site in a couple of hours. But as we know with marketing and business, anything that's that easy to get usually maybe isn't worth yes. getting. Yes. <laughs> the effort is worth it in the end. Yeah, you know? great, great point. Something that you mentioned uh, as part of being Google friendly from a website standpoint is that it takes uh, doesn't take so long to load. Now, obviously, coding is going to make a, 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 such a significant difference. But if we're using WordPress or a, a right platform that enables that, what are some other key things that you see happen that would cause a website to start being slow as far as loading? Yeah, so you're hoping for a website speed of about five seconds or less, ideally mm. three seconds of less. Mm -hmm. And you can test your site speed. There's a tool if you type into Google, ping a DOM, P-I-N-G-D-O-M, site speed you can test your site and see so things that affect speed are hosting so where you're hosting your site and um, not just the physical location but how good the hosting company is and mm -hmm. um, so you know that can be a big factor the biggest thing i see is images so people mm -hmm. will grab an image from the photographer or for a stock shot library and they'll upload it at 8,000 pixels by 8,000 pixels it'll be three or four megabytes and it will literally take 20 seconds for the page to load yes so you want your page to be about one megabyte in size that's all the images all the words all the code if you can get it down to that it's going to load quickly with WordPress there are tools like WP fastest cache which will speed your site up and there are tools like WP Smush, which will squish your images and make them a bit smaller. Mm -hmm. um, it is a bit of an art, you know, yeah. and that's sometimes where you do need a good developer to help you. But the first starting point is have a look at your images, download them. Are they really huge? Mm -hmm. uh, could, could you compress them a little to make the K size a bit smaller? Anything you can do, if you, even if you shave off half a second, 
that can make a really big impact on your ability to rank your site. And yes. Google. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good indication. How fast is it loading on Google? Because if Google doesn't like it, I bet you our consumers or someone who's coming to the website is not going to stick around because just like if we have to wait a second, it's like, oh, it just seems like forever, doesn't it, now waiting because yeah. a lot of things are instant, instantaneous. So, okay, so we need to be very mindful of our, our images as well. You know, you, you hear of um, some articles that are real research resource rich so you've yep. got um you know often images you might have a video that's embedded in that i mean what are some things if we are incorporating different mediums into a, a piece of content are there things that we need to be mindful of in that in instance as well to ensure that it it loads quickly and and even the things like labeling um your photos and so forth can make a huge difference too can't it uh, yeah in seo I'll tackle those in two things. In terms of, you know, resource-rich pages, if you have videos, obviously never host them on your own site, mm. pop them on YouTube. Um, every every view you get will improve your YouTube rankability and your site's rankability. So pop them on YouTube and embed them. Audio files, pop them somewhere else and embed them. You know, use Libsyn or whatever you want to mm. use for your audio files. So, you know, they'll be called in. Try to limit plugins on your site or things on your site that pull in things like Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds because they are having to drag information from another website to make your site appear. Mm -hmm. So try to limit those. Images, yes, make sure they're the correct dimensions so they're as small as they can be and they're as smushed as they can be. And yes, um, giving your images intelligent names so instead of logo479.jpg, you know, giving it your business name. It's a small factor, uh, but you know, it all helps. And then when you also, when you upload an image, give it an alt tag, which is mm. a little piece of code that just describes the image. So, you know, if it's an image of a, of a blue jumper with a pink collar, blue jumper with a pink collar is a great alt tag. You yes. know, you don't have to overthink it. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, even it, it's really about, uh, just, not doing unnecessary things with your site, you know, not having things wiggling and moving and flashing and, you know, all the bells and whistles. Really try to think about what's the bare minimum I can do on this page to mm. give the user a great experience, give them great content, yeah. and, um, and, but also make it look pretty. And there's a new, well, it's not new, but there's a thing people might not have heard about called AMP, which is accelerated mobile pages. Mm -hmm. And what that does, if you install AMP, which is very easy on WordPress, um, it will create a completely clean version of your page. So if you're looking at your site on a mobile, it loads it with no pictures, no nothing. It's just the words on the page because that interesting? often that's all people really want. Yes. You know, they don't want all these graphics and ads and they just want to read your content and mm -hmm. hopefully your content can stand on its own without all, that. all of the bells and if it's not then you need to go back and you have a problem. And yeah exactly something else that um i've heard in the past and i'm not sure if it's is as relevant now or maybe it is a frequency of writing blog posts now sometimes as a thought leader the articles that they're putting out are more substantial requires a lot of research so maybe blogging you know daily or, or weekly or whatever is just going to be too much so is frequency something we need to be considering no, there's a school of thought that you want to publish fresh content because it makes Google come back to your site and, and crawl your site. But, you know, how frequent that is for, for a small business site, you know, Google's probably going to be crawling your site once a week anyway, mm. once a fortnight, whether you publish new content or not. So Google doesn't reward the most consistent content 
the most frequent content, the most regular content. It rewards the best content. Yes. So if you can produce a 2000 word, intelligent, beautifully constructed article every week, good on you. I can't, mm -hmm. I maybe can do that once a month and, and that's enough, you know, because one piece of great content like that will also generate maybe 20 or so pieces of social media content, which will also drive traffic to your site as well. There is a little bit of the algorithm called query deserves freshness, QDF. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes people get confused. But what that applies to is articles that, that require updates. So say if you're running a, a new site, Google is mm -hmm. going to be calling your site every day. If the yeah. article is about the bachelor final in 2019, well, an old piece of content is not going to be suitable for that. Yes. But if you're writing kind of evergreen thought leadership pieces on like how to do a great presentation or, mm -hmm. you know, 10 ways to um, do better public speaking, you, it doesn't need to be brand new. I have pieces of content that I published in 2009 that are still ranking number one, yeah. not because they're new or frequent or whatever, but because they're a really great piece of content. So yes. yeah, think about content quality over content frequency. Yeah, especially for uh, aspiring thought leaders. Something you mentioned there was uh, a word count, so 2,000 words. Is Is there a minimum, maximum kind of a range? Google says the content needs to be as long as it needs to be. Mm. So if you're trying to publish a recipe on how to boil an egg, a hundred <laughs> words is enough. And you'll see that the one that ranks in position one is about a hundred words. Yes. But there is lots of stats around the idea that longer posts get more shares, get more comments and get more links. And I think that makes sense because if you've, you've invested a good eight minutes of your life reading an mm. article, which is how long it takes to read about 1,800 words, mm -hmm. you kind of want to do something with it in the end. You kind of want to leave a comment or share it to kind of show what you've done. And also 300 word articles, I, I just, what am I going to get from that that hasn't yeah. been said before? Unless you're Seth Godin mm -hmm. and you can see something erudite and fabulous in 300 words, but we're not Seth Godin. Yes. You know? So maybe we need a few more words to articulate our ideas. And the more words you use, the more possibilities you have to rank because one piece of content can rank for hundreds and hundreds of keywords. Mm. It's not a one-to-one -one relationship. Yes. So words, you haven't got much opportunity for keywords at keyword usage. If you write 2000 words, you've got heaps of opportunity. Yes. So I'd rather publish one 2000 word piece of content a month than three thin four five hundred word pieces of content yeah google point of view and a consumer point of view yeah makes sense one thing that uh, i know many of us are, are doing yourself as included are podcasts and mm. one of the things that i tend to do is not to have overly long show notes because i really want people to engage by hearing the voice so when it comes to show notes are there some things that we could be doing or maybe shouldn't be doing that can ensure that that piece of content is liked by google of Obviously, and, and I mean, obviously the content has to be great, but from a word point of view, because obviously audio, I mean, can audios be searched and that kind of thing too? Um, at the moment, not so much. Mm. I mean, we have to remember that iTunes, uh, Spotify, Sketcher, they're all their own search engines. Mm. So honestly, if you're looking for a podcast, you're unlikely to be necessarily Googling. You're probably going to go to your podcast platform and, and, and go there. And iTunes has a very odd algorithm. We all know that new and noteworthy and favorite, they're all manually chosen. There's mm. no algorithmic stuff there. The only thing that's algorithmic is the search box. So that's why it benefits you to have words in your title and description and episode titles that 
reference what you do. So if someone's typing in DIY podcast, mm. you have a chance of ranking. In terms of your show notes, look, I, I think your show notes should be a brief summary with, mm. a, with an intro, some top points, a bio, maybe a nice little meme and the intro. But a lot of people do love transcripts. Mm. Um, we have to remember that not everyone listening to the podcast has English as a first language. Mm -hmm. The show notes really do help. And I, you know, people repeatedly said for my podcast, please do show notes, please do show notes, especially because I get people with funny accents from all over the world and they just can't understand them. Okay, um, yeah. But I don't know. It's in terms of Google, the more, you know, if you've got rich show notes with, with transcripts and you've targeted your titles really well, the yeah. keywords in your title, then you could rank on Google. But I think it's a usability thing. I want people to listen. But also, I want people to enjoy the content in whatever way they mm. want to. Um, mm. It's about effort as well. It takes a lot. It's a lot of work doing a podcast. Oh, it is. And doing the transcript. I mean, I used Otter. I mean, uh, I use Black, uh, Blue, uh, Blueberry and they've now incorporated uh, a platform that also transcribes just automatically every show. But you yeah. go back and it's like you cannot publish that without getting an editor because there's all sorts of... Uh, you know, oh, even some swear words I, and there's no profanity on my show. <laughs> I use I use Rev, which is more expensive, you know, yeah. it does cost more. It's slightly better, but my attitude with transcripts is you get what you're given. Yeah. So even when they leave bits in like couldn't understand or people talk over each other, I leave that in because I'm like, look, I've given you a transcript. It's not perfect. It's a transcript. It's not meant yeah. to be an edited article. If if I take that transcript and turn it into an article, that's a different kettle of fish. Yes. But you get what you're given. <laughs> yes, that's true. One other thing that I started to notice too, and someone mentioned this recently, was that uh, when you are searching in Google, it will also show various podcast episodes. And so, I mean, that's fantastic from a podcaster's point of, of view. I'd imagine similarly, the title is going to be really important, um, ensuring that some of those keywords and phrases are also part of the introduction and maybe, you know, incorporated in a way that can be read. You know, we don't want to stack and just put keywords in there for the sake of keywords. But again, I'd imagine that would be helpful throughout this, even if it's quite sparse, the show notes. But that would help too with being found if someone's yeah, searching. I mean, I think it's, it's again you know uh, when you have your um, article title you know maybe someone's going to be searching for your guest or maybe they're going to be for this one searching for you know DIY SEO tips or whatever mm. so the way that you name the title tag that comes up in Google as the underlined link is without doubt one of the most powerful parts of SEO copywriting and just SEO in general because it's mm. what people see first it's what they click and um, it's really powerful in driving click through to the actual piece of content mm -hmm. so yes it is worth considering but with all this said, you never want to sacrifice human engagement to please the Google gods. Yes. So as you said, you don't want to be shoehorning keywords in left, right and center if they just don't sound right. Mm -hmm. uh, because, yeah, it might bring all the clicks to your door, but when they get to the site, the content isn't enjoyable because you've, you've, yeah. it's one of those articles where it just repeats the keyword again and again and again. Mm -hmm. There's no point ranking and getting people to your site if they're not going to convert whatever that conversion may be mm -hmm. for, for your podcast. It's a listen to the podcast for anything else. It might be buy the thing, click the contact form. So yes. just getting traffic to your site 
is half the battle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd imagine too, because there's one one particular um, measurement or tracking that Google does in the analytics, and that is bounce. And so if you've got people coming to your website, fantastic. But if the bounce rate is just as high, does does Google take note of that, that if a lot of people leave no, quite quickly? it actually doesn't. This is a bit of an SEO myth. So bounce rate is simply says that someone came to the site and they left again. Well, sometimes that might be the correct result. I came to your site, I listened to the podcast, I left again. I mean, yeah, it'd be awesome if I listened to seven podcasts, but that's not necessarily mm. going to happen. Mm -hmm. Someone coming to my site, reading one article and leaving again is not necessarily a bad result, but it will be counted as a bounce. Yes. Now, Google doesn't use bounce rate in the algorithm to decide where you rank, but there's a caveat. <laughs> Some SEOs believe that Google does use a metric called dwell time. Mm. Now, what dwell time is, kind of similar, but just to confuse you, uh, what dwell time is, is I've come to the search results, I've typed something in, I've got some results, I've gone and looked at the first result, but I only stayed there for three seconds. Mm -hmm. Then I came back to the search index, then I clicked number two, I stayed there for an hour and a half. Google looks at that and goes, well, they stayed three seconds at the first one, hour and a half at the second one mm -hmm. maybe the second one is the better result and they're going to move that one up and move uh -huh. the other one down so yes you want your site to be sticky you want people to spend time on your site to go from page to page but bounce rate is less the thing the metrics i would be looking at are time on site and pages viewed mm -hmm. and, you know remembering that it takes about three minutes to read a 600 word article so if your article is 300 words 600 words long your average rate should be three minutes. Yes. If it's less than that, people aren't getting through the whole article and you have to ask yourself why. Yeah. Um, videos make sites more sticky. Audio makes sites more sticky. Clear, nice, engaging images, clean fonts, all the whole usability thing will impact it. Do I hit your homepage mm -hmm. and really quickly understand who you are, what you do and who you do it for? Do I get yeah. it really quickly? Because if I don't, I'm out of there. Yes. I'm going to the next result. Yeah. So, it's interesting, it, it's not quite bounce rate, but it's an important point to say that the stickiness of your site does matter. Yeah, and one of the things that often we do as business owners is we, again, we were talking about this earlier on in the show, was we confuse ourselves and assume that things are so difficult, put ourselves in the mind of a consumer going to someone's site. And I know if the resource uh, or that I'm looking at is a great resource. And then there's some internal links that go off to other articles. You know, we talk about the black, you know, going down the black hole of Facebook. You could be captured by that web website because there's so many different links and you you find yourself just being really consumed in a good way with the content yeah. and that's the kind of thing that you're talking about too great articles linked to other articles that can you know again on different topics but and, and then you just create this awesome resource that once someone clicks on an article it naturally will take them to a different article and that therefore building that no like and trust yes exactly and if the person's time poor giving them an opportunity to remember the site and come back to so having yes. really prominent social media icons or like mm -hmm. yesterday i just googled something about modes of learning and i found this great site i can't remember the name of it but i really really enjoyed it mm. but i didn't have time to read the full article and it was great because you know just at the right time as i was leaving perfect time for a pop-up mm. a pop-up came up and said do you want to learn more for us and i'm like yes i don't want to forget this site i will yes. so i signed up to their email 
because I wanted to come back to it. So thinking about ways you can encourage people to take the next step, to follow mm -hmm. you on social, to subscribe to your podcast, you know, yes. and telling people and asking the number of people who've got podcasts who don't say at the end, subscribe mm -hmm. and like. You watch YouTubers, they say subscribe about 50 times. Yes, hit the bell. It took hit me ages bell. to do What are they talking about, this bell thing? <laughs> but, you know, people people want, that's what call to actions are all mm. about. People want to be told what to do and they yes. want to be taken to the next place without having to think about it. As you said, it's intuitive, mm -hmm. so intuitive that six hours have gone past and you're watching a video about giraffe baby and you're like well, how did, <laughs> how did, I, get how did I get here <laughs> and that really is a great reminder too at the end of an article uh what is the next step and often we don't give them the next step but there may be some resource uh, some checklist or whatever a podcast series that you've created that people can access and and obviously then sign up for um all of these we've just scratched the surface i know Kate. Oh, we could talk for hours <laughs> we could we could but i know that you've got great resources on your website as well and and across the various social platforms that you are on so how can people connect with you and find out more well luckily as i say on podcasts i'm quite good at seo so if you type <laughs> kate toon into google there's another kate toon who's a dentist somewhere in ipswich in england but other mm -hmm. than that it's mostly me you'll find all my various bits and bobs. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks once again for coming on the show. I've loved it, Amory. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Want to learn how to leverage your expertise, monetize your message, while become known as an authority in your field? Access our free industry thought leader podcast series to show you how at www.annemariecross.com forward slash podcast series. That's annemariecross.com forward slash podcast series.